0: Hi, I'm your host, Kimberly Thomas-Tigg, and you're listening to Signalize, a Dazzle for Rare podcast. Whether you're a patient, advocate, caregiver, or clinician, Signalize is your source for good news, personal stories, events, and the things that rare and associated communities care about. Follow Signalize and Dazzle for Rare at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number 4, R-A-R-E, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where we'll post episode links, updates, and more. is there such a thing as rare disease social media the short answer to this question is yes the long answer is well it's complicated you can find anything you want on social media if there's something out there that you're curious about that you're passionate about or that you're angry about there's a platform for that while this isn't always great it does give groups who have historically not had a voice in media the chance to be heard While Dazzle for Rare is, quote unquote, hosted on Facebook events every year, and it can technically happen on any social media platform using the hashtag D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four R-A-R-E, we typically get the best engagement and sharing on Twitter. This has been the case since 2016 and to date. Uh, Twitter has really sort of been the spiritual home of Dazzle for Rare in that Again, we've gotten so much of the traction that we have gotten in six years because of Twitter, because of its format, because of the quick sharing and the ability to get information out quickly. So for the context, our first year saw approximately 100,000 social media impressions on Twitter. It's probably closer to 200,000. And in our sixth year, we saw 9.5 million impressions on Twitter alone our impressions are in the low thousands on Facebook. And um, Instagram, you know, is still something that I'm trying to get my brain around in terms of how best we can use it for message delivery. Um, But far and away, Twitter has really been the place where we have managed to get rare disease messages from our Dazzle for Rare co-hosts in front of millions of Twitter users. And I always say really conservatively that if we only reached you know, 1% of 9.5 million, five million—that's still a lot of people. So Twitter, just based on that number, 9.5 million impressions, you know, that an impression is turning up on someone's social media timeline. So it doesn't mean that they've seen the tweet or interacted with it. It has just shown on that many timelines. So if you think really conservatively, that 1% of 9.5 million actually saw or interacted with your organization's rare disease message during the event, or your personal narrative or story, or your personal tweets, if only 1% of 9.5 million interacted with that, that's still a lot of people. It's a pretty significant number of people. And so, you know, there are folks out there who maybe don't identify as being, you know, in the URCIID community, undiagnosed, rare, chronically ill, invisibly ill, or disabled. So folks who are not sort of in these spaces, maybe don't focus on the role that social media has played in giving voices to those who are often not heard. And it's played a massive part, really. Um, Many of the organizations and communities that I, I personally know and interact with started on forums, and then moved to Facebook groups when they realized just how many gaps or needs that Facebook groups could fill for them in terms of building their community. But there's also still a huge number of people who get better engagement on Twitter. And these are kind of like bite-sized engagements. So, you know, you can spark whole conversations based on a tweet. You can reach people in ways that you may not have thought about based on a tweet. And so Twitter is also a really important forum for many rare disease organizations. And it's given people a place to quickly share information with maybe a hundred, maybe a thousand, maybe hundreds of thousands in one fell swoop. Unless you live under a rock, which incidentally I do, (laughs) you've probably heard about Elon Musk's acquisition of Twitter and the subsequent chaos. This is definitely not the place to have a lengthy conversation about that. Uh, But I would say whether you love the guy or you don't, the choices that he as an individual makes for the platform, Twitter, impacts on hundreds of thousands of patient populations, including rare patient populations. Let that sink in. (laughs) Actually, or as he tweeted, uh, somewhat recently in this chaos, wait for it. Yeah, a little scary. But The platform has been a major part of Dazzle for Rare in helping to elevate Rare and associated community messages. This signal-boosting effort is the only reason that Dazzle for Rare and Signalize exist. Not just because of Twitter, because obviously we can be wherever you are on social media. It's a platform that really has worked well for us to elevate your rare voice. So Dazzle for Rare, if you're not super familiar with what it is, um, it is a week-long social media rare disease signal-boosting event. You know, we organize, or I organize the majority of the time, co-hosts, the Facebook event, Uh, I reach out to folks to collect their messages, help support in creating content for the week, and then help get those messages pushed out to other social networks, i.e. if you're a patient and you're following the hashtag during the event week, you may see something about a condition that you've never heard of or something that really resonates with you in another community and share that with your entire social network. So if you have 500 family and friends on a particular platform, and a handful of those folks actually see the message and interact with it, that's goal accomplished, really, for some organizations. Because I would love to say that we're all equal in the eyes of society in terms of our organization sizes and funding and how we reach people, but that's just not the case. There are communities where there's 20 patients, 100 patients and in ultra rare conditions it can be very difficult for people to get the word out and then there are conditions where they are hugely funded hugely you know well staffed able to really get a lot across and you know it helps to be able to reach their social media network too they may not see the benefit when it comes to reaching the network of an organization that has only a handful of people in their social network but for those people It's huge to reach a larger organization social network. And at the end of the day, we all have a common goal. Rare is not rare, as we've said before and in previous episodes. And so as a larger 300 million human community around the world, it really serves us best when we see the humanity and other organizations and other people and other patients, and we use our resources to help one another. I say we do it one week a year because we don't want to fatigue our patient communities with messages they may not feel as super relevant every day. But if we block off that time collectively to share each other's messages, we are changing people's lives. And there's no one on this planet who can convince me otherwise because people tell me this all the time. So that is in a nutshell what we do, and that is why social media is vital to everything that we do, because to have your voice heard, social media is really now that place. Traditional media is just not covering these stories that I want to share, and they're not covering the organizations that oftentimes go unseen. So our purpose with Dazzle Ferrer and Signalize is to elevate your rare voice, whether it's your personal voice and your story, your, your diagnostic experience, or whether it's your organization, that's what we exist to do. And because I've not seen well, one, it's, it's been kind of a difficult concept to share with people. But I've also not seen anyone else trying to so passionately try to bring together as many communities as possible to make cross community signal boosting message exchanging, call it whatever you want to call it, but using rare disease social media to its best effect, which is to reach the social networks of other people involved, because without that extended reach, we're still preaching to the choir. And some folks in our communities are masters of social media in getting their specific messages across, and they may not see the value in Dazzle Frere and that's absolutely fine. Uh, but one thing that impacts all of us is how difficult it is to get folks to listen, which is, again, why I continuously preach the strength in numbers concept of social media and rare disease social media. Again, if I reach even just a small percentage of your family and friends on Facebook because you've shared my message with them, that may have changed their life. And so I think that's a really important point to focus on when we talk about rare disease social media. In my recent chat with David Ross on Organizations and Platforms, David touched on the need for folks to be mindful when creating new organizations. With the existence of over 7,000 known rare diseases, the internet is saturated with fragmented information. It is, to say the least, overwhelming for the newly diagnosed or for families of folks who are newly diagnosed. I can definitely tell you from my initial experiences entering the sphere of rare disease when I was an undiagnosed person is there was so little information to be found that matched up what I knew about myself what I could identify through my medical records and through clinical evaluations. When I put things together, I found what made the most sense, but there was so little information and everything's all over the place. So that was part of what led me here. But if you've just been diagnosed and you are trying to find your organization or folks who can help and support you or signpost you to resources, et cetera, you may not know a lot of the the first places to go. And so really trying to reduce that fragmentation using social media, I think is really important because information overwhelm for newly diagnosed people and their families or for folks who are looking for more information. That fatigue and overwhelm is a real thing. It, ask anyone who's been there, I'm sure they will tell you much more effectively than I can today. So most people take to Google, but after that, people are just not sure where to go, especially across these, these different groups, which I call the U-R-C-I-I-D, or Undiagnosed Rare, Chronically Ill, Invisibly Ill, and Disabled Communities. So a lot of us take to social media to find help and resources and signposting. So we've become very tribal on social media, uh, which I include myself in that. That's a criticism in which I can also relate to. And it's helped us to to survive some major upsets, Um, whether we have issues in our own communities or whether, you know, patients in our communities are losing access to a treatment or, um, you know, insurance difficulties. People need help and assistance. Without social media platforms... I think we would see some much more dire outcomes. So social media has really been helpful to a lot of us, but it's also locked us into small groups. And in those groups, we don't always see the value of teamwork in rare and associated conditions. So with so many platforms begging you to use them and so many groups competing for funds and awareness opportunities, we are putting further space between ourselves and the folks who can effectively help us deliver our messages We're also facing fragmentation in our communities, as social media platforms that once served us really well, now put our posts at risk with changes to their algorithm, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, what's misinformation, what's good information. And sometimes they deem these posts, as I said, as misinformation, or they incorrectly classify them. And that can affect the way that the newly diagnosed are accessing sometimes really good, but old information or making it difficult to reach folks who are in need, who need a place to go. Since the acquisition of Twitter, I have thought a lot in the last few weeks about what we can collectively do. Um, I had a conversation on Twitter, just very briefly with Christina from uh, hashtag GYNCSM, or Women of Teal, and they serve women with rare gynecological cancers. And she was joking, you know, with Twitter kind of circling the drain, does that mean all of our organizations have to go to TikTok? And so what that prompted me to think was that actually, maybe we need to do this together rather than communities individually vetting social media platforms. Maybe this needs to continue to be something we do as a unified community. In my recent chat with Sean Gordon, we lightly touched on the rareverse, which is a concept he explored in a rare revolution rare tech post on the website and what the potential is for a tech light online application. And when I say tech light, I mean you don't need a VR headset, you don't need additional equipment, you don't need to download anything. Take that metaverse experience, which again is a purely digital experience, and apply it to the needs and the concerns of rare disease patients. We have a a, a platform where a person like myself in a wheelchair can walk around, jump, walk upstairs, have a physical persona in a body that doesn't work doesn't work physically. And so these interactions uh, include things like walking, sitting, and pulling books off of a shelf. These are some of the physical activities that some of us have lost the ability to do on a daily basis. And so for Sean, who is currently using a wheelchair full-time, when we did a demo of Rareverse, he really enjoyed the sensation of being able to walk around a room and sit. And I very much understand that. I have seen changes to my mobility over the last two or three years. And, you know, none of us know what the future holds. So sometimes that concept of being untethered in a virtual realm can be very alluring. So there are folks who have moved their social media efforts to other platforms recently, such as Mastodon. And I know a lot of folks are going to Discord and Clubhouse, especially Clubhouse. A lot of people have invited me to Clubhouse-related things for rare disease. So folks are moving to these platforms for their community events and organizing. But as the platforms multiply and as segments of our communities grow older or are ready overwhelmed by these choices we face major changes in how we communicate many of us are already struggling with a variety of communication difficulties but then when you add more tech you add more platforms you add more complexity we start to see the possibility for basically rendering some of our community members quote unquote homeless on social media because they're not able to catch up to the The technical curve, or to really understand where everybody's going or what's happening. Some people really enjoy the ease of use that they find in Facebook and Twitter. And if those platforms are no longer able to serve our communities, then what happens to these folks? It's in the spirit of this that I would like to ask you guys out there, um, our nonprofit leaders and our rare advocates, and advocates in other condition areas to join me in some panel discussions on how we can collectively vet platforms and make coordinated plans to move our communities together, ensuring that we can find solutions that work for our community's needs while staying together, avoiding that fragmentation and weakening of our strength as a whole. We always say, um, you know, stronger together to kind of rip off the um, Scottish independence (laughs) hashtag and statement from 2016. But it's true that we are stronger together. And Dazzle for Rare has really cemented that concept in my mind and possibly your mind too in the last six years because watching our co-host list grow from maybe two, three, four in the first year to over 25, closer to 30, that means that your message is helping to reach those extended social networks. And I think if we make vetting something that we do together – as a wider community, and we make really good decisions about moving our communities together and doing these things in a coordinated way, that we're able to make our presence known on social media, and maybe even help to shape these platforms in a way that serves our communities. Because there are 300 million of us around the world, and those are patients. But then when you attach spouses and children and jobs and local economies to each of those 300 million people, We are affecting the world around us every moment of every day. So the decisions that we make as a group and the way that we coordinate as a group could be very meaningful to the future of social media, but it's something that we have to talk about. And I'm inviting you to join that conversation. If you're interested in taking part in a panel discussion like this, I would love to potentially record it. So maybe a Zoom panel or a few Zoom panels um, or meetings. And I would be excited to share what I can and what you would like to have shared on Signalize and you know maybe on other platforms for video or for other ways to engage people. So if you're interested in taking part in this, you can email me at Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y at D-A-Z-Z-L-E, the number four, rare, R-A-R-E dot net. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, say many of you have since the podcast started, so I thank you for that. It's great to see my social network on LinkedIn grow, and hopefully by that, this podcast gets the opportunity to grow, because we're here for you. The only reason that I do this is because I'm passionate about sharing your community's voice, your personal stories, the good news that gets us up in the morning and helps us get from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., Just knowing that something great happened for one of our friends in the rare disease community or in another associated community, the good news and the stories and all that we have to share is a huge group of people I know for me personally keeps me going. And I hope that through the ups and downs, these things keep you going too. So I would really like for folks to let me know if this is a concept that you're interested in exploring. For the moment, speaking of LinkedIn, LinkedIn seems pretty stable. (laughs) So I hope that it's a place that we can grow our networks with clinicians, pharma, and with other major stakeholders. But I don't see it as being a viable place for our everyday users and our patient communities. But I hope that what I've said in this bonus episode is something that will be of interest to many of you, um, that we will be able to grow our groups uh, and continue to do so on social media, continue to support folks and improve our chances of thriving in a digital world, the way that we have done on Twitter, but on platforms that are much more friendly to us, that are inclusive, and that are maybe a better fit for our specific needs. One other item I'd like to mention is, since Elon Musk took over Twitter, one of his first actions was to fire the accessibility team. So again, I would urge you to let that message sink in. Love the guy or don't, that's of no consequence to me but what does worry me is when someone doesn't see the value in accessibility to millions of people around the world I start to fear what the future holds so hopefully this is something we can talk about in more depth but I wanted to kind of leave you with that thought in terms of how you may continue to vet Twitter or even other platforms accessibility is something we do need to really be cognizant of and and really care about thanks for listening to this week's episode of signalize a dazzle for a podcast to stay up to date on the podcast and dazzle for rare, follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at d-a-z-z-l-e the number four rare r-a-r-e and finally if you liked this episode share it with a friend and tag us on social media platforms